All right, we're going to do individualism defended. We could do a whole series of podcasts on this, but I'm inspired to do this little quick overview because of how much collectivism I'm seeing everybody flee to as the pressure intensifies and in the situation that we find ourselves in, with the rise of tyranny and the radicalization of all the different political parties and the woke cult and um, the rise of globalism, the threat to Western civilization, to various cultures that are under attack and everybody feels under attack. And when people feel under attack and they feel pressured and they feel threatened, what do they do? What's the first thing that they do is they seek a tribe. They seek the warmth of the crowd to save them from their plight and so understandable totally get it there's points on both sides here but i'm going to be advocating for individualism in this particular show i am an advocate for it in my personal life uh, because i believe in freedom to the maximum extent possible and of course with the caveat that you should never violate another's freedom and i think that's uh, the sort of fine print people sort of forget when they think about these terms The issue with this discussion is that people think automatically, people that don't know what they're talking about, who've never looked deeply into this on a philosophical level, a historical level, or even a social political level, is that the word individualism itself conjures up an image in their mind of somebody that wants to be a lone wolf, that doesn't want to unite and work with others, that isn't trying to preserve any level of a culture or a religion or whatever it is and that um, these are just the narcissists that just want to be left alone and um, that if we move into an individualist society culture that's toxic uh, that we are going to not be able to defend ourselves because it's all a bunch of lone wolves that haven't united together to take on the obscenities and the treacheries of the government or the big corporations or the nameless, faceless they or whatever we're going to talk about, right? So this is sort of the kindergarten perception, in my view, of this subject. And it's, you will see this everywhere, that everybody that usually talks about this, especially right now, as everybody's in full-blown panic mode about all the things going on, is that they are on the jump to conclusions, Matt, big time with this issue and they haven't looked into it. So I wanted to help clear some of this up. So we're gonna go to the champion of individualism that everybody hates, but nobody's read, Miss Ayn Rand. And she gives a good definition of it. So we're just gonna work with it and see if it bears out. And I'll just remind you, don't think of the person that says it or the person that created a term or an idea. Think of the idea itself and see if it matches up with the facts of reality, see if it can be verified, see if it makes sense to you, does it resonate, does it not, does some of it, maybe not all of it, that's up to you, okay? So don't attack the person, let's go with the argument that's been made and see if it has any validity, right? That's to me the most rational way to go about this. But the definition is there and don't forget, Rand was just reiterating philosophers like Aristotle, um, the entire basis upon which America was founded, 
She was a major champion of American freedom and independence. She loved America. She wanted to see it prosper. And so she was just trying to articulate the original vision of America, again, to Americans, as even in the 60s and the time that she was talking, at, you know, doing lectures and writing books, don't forget she fled communist Russia and she saw collectivism in full 3D IMAX and came to America as many people who flee countries like that, socialist collectivist countries, uh, to seek freedom. And they come to a place like America because of the fact that America enshrined the values of individualism in its founding. Now, leaving aside all the things about, oh, well, it got hijacked or it was reworded differently or there was manipulations on the constitutional document. Just put that aside. We're talking principles here. We're talking foundations. We're speaking philosophically, okay? All the specifics can absolutely be debated and I know this is such a huge subject. It's very, very important and the implications to human freedom are the gravity of that I don't think many people can really comprehend and if we can't define the terms we're using properly and fully understand them then it's just empty words and um, we need to really have this discussion so here it is individualism regards man every man as an independent sovereign entity who possesses an inalienable right to his own life a right derived from his nature as a rational being Individualism holds that a civilized society or any form of association, cooperation, or peaceful coexistence among men can be achieved only on the basis of the recognition of individual rights. And that a group as such has no rights other than the individual rights of its members. So think about this. We're talking individual rights when we use the term individualism in a social political context. We're not talking, I'm a selfish asshole who just wants to be a lone wolf and I don't want to seek solutions in any form of culture or society and I'm going to reject my culture and reject my civilization because it's just all about me. That is the dumbest explanation I've ever heard because it's actually just fallacious on the face of it. And that's what most people use as the operative explanation for individualism. And they are, they're not just wrong, they're egregiously wrong, okay? So she says, do not make the mistake of the ignorant who think that an individualist is a man who says, I'll do as I please at everyone else's expense. This is the fine print nobody reads, okay? And then they're on the jump to conclusions mat. An individualist is, rather, a man who recognizes the inalienable individual rights of man, his own, and those of others. So it's the idea that if I'm going to say, hey, I'm advocating for individualist principles when it comes to the way that human affairs should be governed, when it comes to the way that we should have a relationship with a sane government or whatever system we're going to have to to oversee human affairs right and, and ensure that we're unifying on a set of principles and values that we all agree on that we hold whatever the arbiter in that case is which in this case would be the government uh, we hold that arbiter in check so that they can't violate those rights we have to make sure we define them properly and as an individualist what you're saying is you're not saying 
I don't want to be a part of Western culture or anything like that by being an individualist. This is specifically to do with what kind of rights and freedoms you have in whatever society you're going to be living in. So that's the difference. Okay. So it's the motto, I will not run anyone's life, nor will I let anyone run mine. I will not run anyone else's life, nor will I let anyone run mine. I will not rule, nor be ruled. I will not be a master, nor a slave. I will not sacrifice myself to anyone, nor sacrifice anyone to myself. All right? So, and then don't forget about this, even just on the psychological level. There is no such thing as a group that can think as a group. A group is made up of individuals and each individual has their own mind and their own reason at their disposal. So even though we've seen many cases and we still see it and it's actually very prevalent where humans voluntarily sacrifice their own mind and reason for the sake of the group mind, which is basically just a fantasy idea that's created in the minds of those individual peoples that there's this external mind to their own, right? A culture, a racial mind, a cultural mind, a religious group, but pick your tribe, pick your cult. I'm on team A and you're on team B and team A all think, dress and act alike and team B all think, dress and act alike except both teams are made up of individuals that at any moment, any individual within those groups has the capacity and the potential to deviate from the norm of that group and operate independently using the volition of their own mind, reason, and judgment. So the idea of a group when it comes to politics, when it comes to society, is an illusion. And it's an illusion that has been used by priests and popes and kings and queens and monarchs and politicians and greedy corporatists, crony capitalists, socialists, cult leaders, dictators of every kind in your personal life and all the way up to the geopolitical spectrum level has used this lie against you to do what? To lay claim on your mind, to lay claim on your body, to lay claim on your property and to eventually gain total dominant control over all the land, resources, and wealth that you may be able to create for yourself and enjoy the benefits of, but that they don't want you to have access to because they want you to work as a slave for them. But they know you're never gonna work as a slave for them. So what they do is they create a lot of different baskets, a lot of different nets to capture you in, to make you think you're working autonomously, to make you think you're working for the greater good of the greater number, or to make you think that you're somehow operating for your own best interest, even though what they're really demanding is that you sacrifice your own best interest for the sake of this illusory idea of a group. And if there is any level of personal sacrifice that you of your own free will want to make for the sake of an ideal that's greater than yourself, then you have the freedom in a true free individualist system to make that choice. If you're in a collectivist system, that's the difference. You don't have the choice. You don't have the freedom to not engage in whatever activity thought up of by some 
by the whim of some mob of people that all just think the same to say you're not allowed to operate on your own will, volition, and freedom and for your own benefit. You must work for our grand vision. And there's nothing but this in the world, my friends. And that's how these totalitarians work. That's, that's how they sell it to you, is that individualism is selfish and greedy, and there's no way you can survive on your own. So join the tribe, join the cult, join the group. We will give you the prescription for life, and if you violate it, we will violate your freedom. So those that advocate for freedom need to really start paying attention to this and understanding it deeply because that's exactly what is being asked of you, not just by your government, not just by Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum or the United Nations or any of the big globalist think tanks that are trying to unify the world under one ring of power. This is also being asked by everybody around you that is already given up the sovereignty of their own mind in the sake of some group somewhere, some cult somewhere. And that will seek to strip you of your freedom at the first available opportunity if they perceive your freedom in any way, shape or form as a threat to this illusory idea of a group mind that they want to bring you into. So what do they do? These people that have their entire identity expunged in place of some group identity, they seek to destroy your individuality and your individualism. And then, and they do this by way of psychological warfare. And then what comes after that is that they seek to absolve any protection you have from the government or any other arbiter to protect you, your rights as an individual against a raving lunatic mob of which there's nothing but historical references to be brought up to show you many examples of that. So remember this. The truth is that the mind, your mind is an attribute of the individual. The fact that you have a mind and you can sit here and listen to this and decide on your own without anybody else's influence around you as to whether or not you agree with what I'm saying, you partially agree with what I'm saying, or you completely disagree with what I'm saying, you are right now using the capacity that you have that only exists because you are an individual with a free mind, otherwise known as a volitional consciousness in philosophy, to even make that determination for yourself. But you do have the choice. There is a, a factor of choice here. Sorry, it's raining. I'll kind of kind of loud, but we'll do what we can. You have the choice to give up your individual rational capacity as an individual to decide for yourself what you think is true and what isn't, to judge the facts of reality for yourself, or to give that process up because I know it's hard and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it, and a lot of thinking and a lot of work that comes with it, and you can just follow the slogans of other people. So the individual, on a philosophical level, just think there for a second, the individual, the true individual that has a sovereign mind, grounds him or herself in reality. Grounds their thinking, they, they look to reality, they look to nature, they look to the facts of reality 
both internal and external to make their judgment call about what is true and what is not. The collectivist mind, that kind of person, looks to other people for that. They're anchored to other people, other people's ideas, which are mostly made up fantasies to distract themselves from the true deeply terrifying responsibility of being a self of being an individual of working with your own mind to observe reality and judge what's true what's not what's your in your benefit what's not from reality rather than defaulting to blanking the mind out and going with the slogans of the crowd going with the slogans and the ideas and the mental processes, if you kind of call it that, of other people. Which path leads you towards freedom and even personal liberation on a, I'm talking like on a psychological level. Which path leads you to freedom and which path leads you to tyranny and enslavement? Just think historically. So the mind is an attribute of the individual. There is no such thing as a collective brain. There is this idea that was written about by Edward Bernays and Gustave Le Bon and some of the other behaviorists and whatnot of the public mind or the group mind, right? We, we see that humans can, where our minds are so powerful, we can create all kinds of fantasies, guys. So we can go, oh, well, uh, let's all think as one. Let's all think as one. We're a beehive now. It's like in China or any of these other collectivistic totalitarian societies. Take your pick. There's to so many examples. You're in the cult now, all right? And when everybody sacrifices their own individual thinking and replaces it with the slogans and the mantras of the group mind, they are no longer operating in reality because that's an illusion. That's, it's an, it's, I mean, it's real because you can actually achieve this phenomena by giving up the sovereignty of your own mind and thinking in it as a herd animal. But the entire process is an illusion in the face of reality, the greater reality, which is calling you to be a sovereign mind and to judge for yourself what is true and false based on your observation of the facts of reality. So the group mind is an illusion. Your mind is the real thing. But you have the choice. You have the power to turn that capacity off or switch it on and turn on the lights and start thinking for yourself. That's the first act of freedom that you can do for yourself, my friends, is to turn on the sovereignty of your own mind and judge. Use your, use your, because uh, all these ideas need a foundation, right? The foundation of the individualist is nature, is reality. That's the ground of their thought. That's the arbiter. That's the government of their mind is reality. Everything is compared to reality. Here's an example. If I asked you right now, what color is the ceiling over your head? Let's say you're in a room right now. What color is the ceiling over your head right now? In your house or in your workplace or wherever you are. What are you going to do? You're gonna look up and you're gonna see for yourself, oh, uh, it's beige, it's white, it's black, I don't know, whatever color ceiling. 
what you've just done is exactly what I'm talking about. You've used reality as your arbiter. You, yourself, you didn't look around and start asking people beside you, hey, what color's the ceiling again? And have a bunch of other people tell you. You looked up for yourself. Instinctively, you as a human being wants to judge what's true or not based off your own observation. So you look up at the ceiling and you're going to tell me, oh, it's this color, it's that color. You relied on your, the sovereignty of your own mind, your own observation. You didn't have to ask Joe or Susan or anybody else around you. You didn't have to call up Justin Trudeau to ask him what color your ceiling is. You didn't call up the journalists at CTV News to ask them what the ceiling is. They'd probably tell you some bullshit what, what color it is. You looked up yourself and you used reality as your judge of what was real or not. That is individualism right there in just a small little example. The collectivist mind goes, I'm not fit to decide what color the ceiling is, Dave. Who am I, little old me? One mind against billions of minds and all the minds that have existed before me and all the minds that will exist after me. I'm a tiny speck of dust in a vast universe, right? Who am I? I'm gonna ask everybody else around me what the color of my ceiling is. Well, here's the problem. There's other people out there that are going to tell you it ain't beige, man. It's off-white. It's taupe. It's pink. It's purple. It's rainbow-colored. And it can get off-kilter really, really quick. Think of the game Telephone as another example of this. Just small examples I'm trying to think up here. You're sitting around for the game of Telephone. From what I remember, game of Telephone is one person has a sentence that they're going to say or something they're going to say and they say it to the next person beside them then that person's supposed to repeat it all the way around the circle and the more people you have the better the experiment is and usually by the end when everybody gets done it's not the original sentence that was spoken it's been already twisted up in just a circle of say 10-12 people So in that case, you're, you're forced to rely on, you're only as good as your information, so you're getting information like 12th hand about what was said, which is the example of the truth or the reality, right? And you have to then trust these other people to tell you what it is. And there's nothing wrong with trusting other people that might know more than you or whatever, that's, that's a different thing. I'm just trying to use this as an example of how easy we can get lost when we give up the sovereignty of our own mind in favor of what the group says or what everybody else is going to tell you. So that's the difference. On the philosophical level, the mind is the attribute of the individual and there is no such thing as a collective brain and the collective brain most of the time dreams up nothing but fantasies and does not use reality itself as the arbiter of truth and falsity. It uses the ideas of other people that's superimposed on top of reality as the reality. And that's why none of these, that's, a, that's just the, the start of the explanation as to why none of these collectivistic totalitarian systems of governing humans works and in fact turns into barbarism 
tribalism, poverty, genocide, and slavery. Because freedom can't exist in the group mind. The reason freedom can't resist in the group mind is because truth and reality can't exist in the group mind because the, the foundation of where they're getting their notion of what is true and what is real isn't coming from reality directly. It's coming second, third, 12th, 14th hand from the ideas of other people. And this again doesn't mean we can't I'm not saying, and this, I, this, this is where the misunderstanding is. This philosophy is not saying that we can't rely on each other because we know no one person can know all things all at once. Like we understand that there's limits to your mind, the capacity for you to know all things. So we do rely on each other for information in many different, and, and assistance and help and all of that, okay? But this is where people check out. They don't. They don't realize that that's not I've, individualism as a philosophy. That the one I'm talking about is concerned with human freedom. It's not saying don't work together with other humans for goodness sake. But the final arbiter of truth is your own mind and reason and judgment. And in law, when it comes to what the government can do to you or what the crowd of people around you can do to you, it should be based on individual rights. Individual rights. That's what individualism is. Individualism is not narcissism. Narcissism can be defined as somebody that has no self, no self-identity, no self-esteem, no self-understanding, their mind is not rooted to the facts of reality. It's rooted to the minds of other people, which is highly unreliable when in group think. That's the fine print. When in a state of group think. Just look at the last three years we've lived in. Look at countless examples in history where this has gone wrong. That's why the founding of American system, where the first time and the Magna Carta and all that were for the first time, individuals were granted rights. And it was supposed to be set up like this, whether it all got set up like that or it's perfect or not, that's a different debate. I'm talking idealistically here, philosophically, we're talking about concepts, okay? Of a just system to govern the affairs of humans. You have, you're not just putting rights in place through some constitution to protect you against the whims of the government, which can be very quickly corrupted and become tyrannical. It's to protect you against the whims of your neighbors and your friends and your family and people within your own culture and within your own nation. You might all be the same color. You might all have the same religious logo on your decal on your truck. You might all fly the same flag you might all live in the same geographical area. Your houses might even all look the same. Doesn't matter. At any moment, on a whim, that group, that culture can turn against you if it perceives you as a threat. And it can form this mass formation psychosis that we hear so many people talking about now, which is what we just experienced. People within our own culture, 
turning against any of us who questioned the collective delusion of the crowd and said, you guys have lost your collective minds. You're giving way too much power and credence to this tyrannical government that's out of control and is hell bent on gaining more control. And we're losing our freedom as a result of it. We're losing our lives as a result of it. And so we're not going along with it. And what did the culture do? It wasn't just the government that came and kicked your doors in and surveilled you without your knowledge or consent and mandated medical procedures on you without your full knowledge and consent of what the hell those things were, violating all national and international laws that used to prevent governments from using coercion and psychological pressure to make you take part in experiments that you otherwise would not take part in. Those are all features and symptoms of the philosophy of collectivism. It's the antithesis of individualism. Now, on the other hand, those that are concerned that, well, if you're just this individualism guy, individualism bros, then you guys are retarded because with all this mass immigration and with all this globalization going on and the introduction of AI and everything, you're just a bunch of lone wolves that are so easily picked off you're going to get drowned out by other collective, highly collectivistic cultures that are moving into your gates. So you better become just as collectivistic as them if you're hoping to stand a chance. This is what you're going to hear from the sort of alt-right community who are essentially advocating for national socialism or regional socialism or cultural socialism. That's what they're, that's the end game of where their argument goes to. And that again is just another branch on the tree of collectivism. Literally becoming what we hate. Literally becoming in a different guise, the exact same thing as this radical leftist globalist mob that is trying to indoctrinate your children to become collectivists. That is trying to induct, you know, that is taking over the reins of power in our governments and our media and everywhere. We're becoming what we hate by moving into that camp. The only philosophy that counters all of that, that truly is an advocate for human freedom and human flourishing, is individualism. When you understand what that word even means, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you don't understand what that word means and you're on the jump to conclusions, Matt, thinking falsely, egregiously falsely, that individualism is somehow meaning that you're just a lone wolf ready to be picked off by the government and that those people are not espousing a cultural identity, are not espousing uh, a set of principles that we can unify under, etc., etc., or is some kind of narcissistic sociopath. You need to understand that that is literally not at all what it is. You got to go pick up some Gerard Griffin, get some Nathaniel Brandon in your life, get some Ayn Rand in your life, whether you like her as a person or not, or even if you come from a Christian mindset and you're like, well, she was an atheist, or you come from the perspective that, you know, oh, she was a Jew or she was this or she was that. You're dumb, 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 dumb. Read the arguments. Think about this. Forget about who said it and what hairstyle they had. Or what, we didn't like her voice. 
or the fact that she smokes cigarettes like <laughs> like a chimney doesn't all those things that jump into your this is why I see this in my comments I post a quote from Ayn Rand I post a quote from Thomas Jefferson I post a quote from Bruce Lee I post to anything nobody focuses on the quote nobody wants to hear the wisdom of the quote they just want to talk about the person and what they think is wrong with the person they're evading they're evading it they're running from it why because deep down everybody that's out there saying I want my freedom I want my freedom you don't want your freedom that's the truth we always this the great psychologists already know this the vast majority of human beings are petrified of freedom it's a psychoepistemological crisis and you've been raised in a collectivized world that's trying to groom you not for freedom, not for unity with your fellow man or your culture or your tribe or your race. They seek to enslave you all and they know collectivism is the soothsayer. It's the sweet honey in your ear to pull you away from your freedom. And they know you want it more than you want freedom. So as the chips fall, as things, as the temperature rises, as tyranny rises, as chaos continues to unfold, as the radicalization process grows exponentially, as the true pandemic on all sides, and people lose their center and their sanity in the process, every, watch everybody around you that was out there cheering for freedom and trying to fight for freedom and try to expose the liars and the tyranny, Watch them all run to the nearest crowd. Watch them run back to the collective in a heartbeat. Why? Because of the evasion of reality. The evasion of reality. And a lack of education about what actually brings about true freedom. It's an inside job on the individual level. The crowd has nothing to offer you. And it doesn't mean that we can't have a culture and a society that embraces its traditions, embraces its roots, that you couldn't have unity amongst human beings if we're individualistic. It's quite the opposite. And I know it takes a bit to try to understand this because it seems contradictory. It seems like we're saying individualism means everything for the one and then that means we're not gonna have a culture after that. Nonsense. This is about understanding human individual rights. And let me ask you this. Do you wanna jump up from one tyranny into another? How many times do we need to run this experiment? People fleeing one collectivistic shithole only to create another over and over and over again a good example of this is that film The Beach, Leonardo DiCaprio where these people try to flee the sick society around them and they try to find a little piece of paradise on some island somewhere and they only invite about 100 people to this beautiful paradisical island that has more than enough resources. And they try this kumbaya 
Jim Jones town style commune to come together, to work together. And it ends up being turned into an absolute nightmare. And it's a great example. It's been done over and over again. We've seen it on the big level and the small level. And so I'm telling you that in any ways, my opinion and the opinion of these great thinkers, and I could list many that at the founding fathers of America, there you go. They were into this. This is why they created the country they did. And there's been many great thinkers and philosophers that were talking about this. In fact, even in the Christianity, you can see the notion of an individual being mobbed by the crowd. That's the whole idea of the crucifixion. That's a metaphor for the crucifixion, the destruction, the tearing to bits, the execution of the individual at the whim of an unintelligent, primitive mob that was afraid of that individual. And that thought that because we're all together on the same team, yelling and screaming at that individual for whatever reason, we somehow have the right, because we have a greater number, we have the right to destroy that individual. And what does that individual say in that story? Forgive them for they know not what they do. It's in, it's the fabric of Western civilization, my friends. That's what Ayn Rand was trying to describe. Was the thing that made us different. See, Europeans before were ruled by tribalist mobs, tribalistic, feudalistic mobs that set the progress, human progress back hundreds of years. It's called the dark ages for a reason because it was the age of ignorance. Collectivism has been tried from the beginning of time and we always see the same features and characteristics and whenever there's that kind of governing system in place, it stops the flourishing of the human being, it suppresses the soul of the human being, and it enslaves the human being, it enslaves you and me, the individual, to the whims of not just the government or the king or the despot or the ruler, but to the crowd around you who will help that dictator bring you to the guillotine if for any reason they think you're a threat to their illusion. Freedom cannot exist in collectivism. It is mathematically impossible. And they always sell it to you as sacrifice your individual freedom for collective security. It's a lie. That's what the proponents of individualism are going to teach you. That is a lie. Observe history. Observe the history unfolding in front of your eyes right now. So the arguments of these collectivists are empty. They're empty lies because these are empty people that don't have a self. They don't have any self-love, self-knowledge, or self-esteem, and therefore they are trying to create the illusory, inauthentic replacement for those things, which is the crowd. And the representative of the cult of the crowd is always the state. They become the god of that cult. The state is the god. 
It has to be because the only way to rule humans in a collectivistic system of any kind is through brute force because you have to beat the individualism out of everybody. You have to punish the dissidents. And that's where this thing falls apart really quickly. So the primary act, the process of reason must be performed by each man alone. We can divide a meal among many men. We cannot digest it in some collective stomach. No man can use his lungs to breathe for another man. No man can use his brain to think for another. All the functions of body and spirit are private and sovereign. They cannot be shared or transferred. We inherit the products of the thought of other men. We inherit the wheel. We make a cart. The cart becomes an automobile. The automobile becomes an airplane, etc. But all through the process, what we receive from others is only the end product of their thinking. The moving force is the creative faculty that takes this product as material, uses it, and originates the next step. This creative faculty cannot be given or received, shared or borrowed. It belongs to single individual men. That which it creates is the property of the creator. And men learn from one another, but all learning is only the exchange of material. No man can give another the capacity to think. Yet that capacity to think is our only means of survival. And that's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. Is your survival. So which, which path is going to bring you freedom that's going to allow you to survive without being constantly molested by some group, some clique, some cult, or some state? And again, just to make sure we understand this, we're not saying that if we had an individualist principle built into our constitutions in our various countries... And we had a philosophy of individualism espoused in our society and in our culture. That that somehow destroys the society and the culture. It's the complete opposite. It allows it to flourish because what it does is it always says, okay, get together, form groups, form cliques, form teams, form tribes, form groups, whatever you want to do. But everybody involved understands that there is this thing called the individual and with that comes individual rights which should never be violated. Now off you go. Create all the groups you want. But that's the fine print. That's the fine print. So the difference is individualism regards every man as an independent sovereign entity who possesses an inalienable right to his own life a right derived from his nature as a rational being. The only way a peaceful coexistence can be happening amongst men can be only achieved on the basis of the recognition of individual rights and that a group has no rights other than the individual rights of its members. So have a group. As long as everybody in that group is aware, we're not making a cult now. We're not going communistic or fascistic here. We recognize that everybody that's joining our little club or part of our little team, hanging out with our little clique, respects each individual's rights to privacy, 
and to not be molested by the rest of us simply on a whim. That's the difference. The principle of individual rights is the only moral base of all groups or associations. Any group that does not recognize this principle is not an association, but a gang or a mob. So see the difference there? In, if we have individualism as the tenant behind whatever we're creating here in the West, I'm speaking in the West because I live in the West and the West is the one under fire right now by these collectivists that are trying to destroy it so they can create a collectivistic system for the entire planet ruled by a tiny few technocrats that don't give a damn about you and want to violate your personal sovereignty and your privacy with all the surveillance they want. The difference is between having association and free trade between human beings versus creating gangs and mobs with whips and clubs to rule each other with. So that's the difference. Collectivism is the idea that the individual's life belongs not to him, but to the group or society or the culture or the race or this or that of which he is merely just a part and that he has no rights and that he must sacrifice his values and his goals or even his body for the group's greater good. According to collectivism, the group or society is the basic unit of moral concern and the individual is only of value only insofar as he serves the group. As one advocate of collectivism puts it, man has no rights except those which society permits him to enjoy. From the day of his birth until the day of his death, society allows him to enjoy certain so-called rights and deprives him of others. Not because society desires especially to favor or oppress the individual, but because its own preservation, welfare, and happiness are the prime consideration. Well, that's the sales pitch. But look what actually happens in reality is that freedom doesn't exist for anybody and those types of societies only end up becoming united under poverty, misery, and tyranny and slavery. So think of this statement from Pythagoras as we close this, guys. No one is free who has not obtained the empire of himself. No man is free who cannot command himself. Freedom is an inside job. And anybody trying to tell you that they want to take away your ability to command yourself, again, with the caveat that you cannot take anybody else's ability to command themselves away either. Anyone selling you that? is seeking to be your master. And they are the enemies of freedom. And that's why they are petrified of this idea of an individual. And that's why they hate it and they disdain it. And that's why they fight against it. And they want to jump from one hive mind tyranny into another. Because they haven't obtained the empire of themselves. And so who are you to obtain the empire of your own? To obtain your own freedom and sovereignty who are you to use the sovereignty of your own mind who are you to think for yourself we need to get on the same team here young said it this way a million zeros joined together do not unfortunately add up to one ultimately everything depends on the quality of the individual but our fatally short-sighted age thinks only in terms of large numbers and mass organizations Though one would think that the world has seen more than enough of what a well-disciplined mob can do in the hands of a single madman. Because don't forget, the crowd must always have a leader. So it always goes back to an individual running the show anyways, doesn't it? In a weird, twisted irony.
He continues, people go on blithely organizing and believing in the sovereign remedy of mass action without the least consciousness of the fact that the most powerful organizations in the world can be maintained only by the greatest ruthlessness of their leaders and the cheapest of slogans. James Hollis, who is a Jungian psychologist, said the act of consciousness is central. Otherwise, we are overrun by the complexes of our mind. The hero in each of us is required to answer the call of individuation. We must turn away from the cacophony of the outer world to hear the inner voice. The inner voice, guys. That's the voice of God. That's the voice of spirit. That's your true imperial self. That's the self that we're talking about. That is the individual. That's what they're trying to extinguish. And because it's been extinguished in themselves, of course, they can only go back and default to the voice of the crowd. It's default. So he finishes by saying, when we can dare to live its promptings, its meaning the inner voice, then we can achieve personhood. And we may become strangers to those who thought they knew us in this process, but at least we are no longer strangers to ourselves. So I'm going to do more on this down the line. This is just a quick little summary. I've talked about this a lot. I'm bringing it up again because I see collectivism running around on steroids right now as everybody's panicking, losing their shit. Stay true to yourself. See this for what it is. It's the evasion of the self. It's the evasion of God. It's the evasion of nature and reality. It's the evasion of authentic living and it's the desire to replace those things that make life worth living and that produce genius minds. They want to replace that with another form of tyranny. And so watch out for that and don't get sucked into it. At least that's my take. I hope this helped, guys. We'll talk more soon. Cheers.